This is episode 15. In this episode, you'll meet Andrew, an artist and writer that focuses on heritage arts. He's also the co-founder of a nonprofit art community. He shares his journey with us, and we even talk about the history of piñatas. Enjoy! Hello, hello, bienvenidos. I'm Giselle Martin, and this is Relate and Elevate, a podcast with conversations of cultural identity and entrepreneurship. Join me to hear stories from entrepreneurs of different cultures and identities. I believe consumers want to support businesses and organizations that they relate to because it gives them a sense of community. I know it does for me. Also, my daughter will join me once a month to talk about the kid entrepreneur perspective. So subscribe to Relate and Elevate to learn more about closing the cultural gaps in the marketplace. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Relate and Elevate, a podcast with conversations of cultural identity and entrepreneurship and today I made it down to Southern California again and I'm here with Andres. You want to introduce yourself? Sure, my name is Andrew Cervantes, also known as Glittering Andy um, and you know, I'm excited to be here and to chat about Latino culture and entrepreneurship. <laughs> I'm really, really glad that we were able to make this happen. Um, so first, I'd like to start off with a little icebreaker and get to know you better as a person. Sure. And um, what is your favorite food? My favorite food? I like seafood, actually. Really? Yeah, mariscos or um, sushi's good, too. Yeah. What kind of sushi? My favorite is spicy tuna rolls. Really? I like, there's a local uh, sushi place that we go to, um, and they have a mountain roll. So it's uh, spicy roll. tuna on top of California roll. Amazing. Oh my god, I would love that. So good. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite color? Um, I have I like pink and gold at the moment. I'm one of those people mm. whose colors like shift depending on on my mood. So I'm kind of like that too. Right. Yeah. I think there's so many colors. How can you just like one? You know. <laughs> In the past couple of years, I started incorporating green into my life. Green's a good color. Like green yeah. and pink. Green and pink go really yeah. well. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, what is the most recent book you've read? Oh my god. I couldn't even... I can't even think of the last book I read. It's <laughs> terrible. Right? <laughs> or a book you listen to? Or audio, anything? No, I'm, like a, I'm like a serial rereader. So I have like... a maybe a dozen books that are just on my shelf and I always go back and reread them. So what's your favorite one? Uh, you know, we started, my sister-in-law and I started watching Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. So I went back and I reread that one. But that was probably, oh no, 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 that was this year. Yeah. Okay, oh, so that would be the most recent. What do you like about it? Um, I just like the, the idea that even in this like dark future there's still people that are fighting you know there's always that fight and I think it's relatable you know um, definitely yeah. yeah things aren't always going to be great but you you never stop fighting to make it happen. yeah oh that's interesting so 
If you could meet one person, dead or alive, who would that be? Wow. Um, so I was thinking about George Michael a lot recently because, um, you know, he, he passed away on Christmas Day two years ago. So it was, I think it would be him. It'd be interesting to, to sit down and just talk about, I mean, everything. I saw this documentary on him uh, on Netflix. Or no, actually, I think it was on HBO. But, um, it was a great documentary. It was um, his unfinished story. So um, there, he also had that fighting spirit. He um, wanted more and really just fought and clawed his way up. And it was really just him committing to you know, achieving those goals, and I, that's inspirational, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Plus, I grew up listening to his music, so, right? You know, everyone... Yeah, you have that connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what's the last song you listened to? Well, oh, you know, over the Christmas uh, holiday, the song that, that I listened to the most is probably either Burrito Salonero or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We do we do the Christmas lights um, with my niece and nephew. So we always, it's a tradition. We drive around and we look at the lights and we play all the, uh, the Christmas music. And usually we hear, you know, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas a lot. But this year, it, it just never came on. We heard the same songs like twice or three times. So we decided just to shut it off and sing it. <laughs> so, That's fun. So yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, one, one of the Christmas songs since it's the season right now. Yeah, that's definitely fun singing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, last question. Tell us something that only a handful of people know about you. Um, well, now at this point, only a handful of people probably know that I'm also a lifeguard. Oh. Yeah, I started swimming when I was two. And oh, that's early. Yeah, my grandma had a above ground pool in her backyard and we would spend all day in it. Um, and then I grew up on swim team and became a lifeguard. I started teaching swimming lessons and I still have private clients and teach during the summer. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool, that's fun. So we're going to dive into talking about cultural identity. How do you self-identify? I would say I identify as Latino or Latinx, depending on um, the environment. Um, I know, you know, in, in more traditional ways, Latino is, is the term that people kind of use, but I really am enjoying the Latinx uh, tag. I just think that it's more incorporated, it encompasses everyone. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not, you know, gender exclusive kind of and yeah. I, I like that I think that's cool yeah. even though there's a lot of uh, backlash about it right now <laughs> yeah there is but there's a lot of acceptance too that's true so. and that's a good thing right yeah I, I think people are starting to realize that it's important for everyone to feel like they belong yeah for sure yeah, that's why I like that term, too. It's all-inclusive. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, what does the term cultural identity mean to you? Cultural identity, I, 
think that that relates to the way that you kind of um, well the way you relate to your heritage so for me cultural identity um, has roots in my family in the traditions that we you know um, participate in um, even as a child we did you know things like yeah, those muertos we do you know the big holidays but also we do um, Los Tres Reyes Dia de los Reyes for Rosca mm -hmm. and all that stuff we um, really participate in all those traditions in Mexico and um, I think as a child I didn't understand um, the importance of it but now as an adult I realize how important it was to grow up with those traditions you know to be connected to my culture um, so that I don't, I don't feel like I've lost any part of my culture because, you know, thankfully my, my family really embraced it. And even though we were in El Sereno, we were, which is in, in Los Angeles, um, we still participated in all those traditions that they did growing up in Mexico. Yeah, it's really important for people to feel connection to something bigger than themselves and their family. And I think that traditions really unite people. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, we. I went to a, a private school, and it was small. But what what did connect a lot of the families was that we all did participate in these traditions, you know, at our home. So. You know, even though everyone was a little different and had different um, backgrounds, the traditions that united us, they were important, you know, I think. It's a, a it's bigger picture kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's um, switch gears and talk about your business. And you, uh, you actually also founded an organization too, right? Yeah, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about both? Sure. So, um, my friend Angela La Torre and I started um, El Sereno Community Arts. So it's an arts-based nonprofit um, in El Sereno, California, and we provide arts programming to the community. It's an underserved community, um, a lot of low-income families. It's a predominantly Latino uh, uh, neighborhood community. So what we do is we provide um, the opportunity for people to come out and participate in art workshops, to participate in heritage um, building workshops, and to reconnect with not only the community, but with the traditions. So we work with the local schools, um, we work with all 12 schools in El Sereno, which we're the only group that does that. Um, we also work with Cal State LA, which is in El Sereno, and um, we've worked with LAXA, which is the uh, Los Angeles Performing Arts uh, High School. Also, oh, okay. Yeah. And um, our biggest event is our Dia de los Muertos event, which is a cultural event. And um, we have we closed down a full block of Huntington Drive, of Huntington Drive. And we have vendors, we have performers, we have a performance stage, we have a children's dance stage where our children's dance group performs throughout the day. And we have a Taste of El Sereno where we invite twelve local restaurants to kind of come out and show the different foods available in the community. So. Wow, I'm so impressed. I'm like, <laughs> how did you do all of this? Like, that's really great. Like, to mobilize and organize and get all of these people, all, all of 
people together, like your whole community, for the love of art and tradition is really amazing. Oh, thank you. It's 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 tough. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work, but it, uh, you know, when the event's happening, it's all worth it. You see everyone in the community out. Um, it's a free event, so we uh, find funding to provide free face painting so that the families don't have to decide between, you know, we either get the kids face painted or we buy them food. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we, we do the free face painting. So, you know, enjoy yourselves. Kids can get their face painted and then go have a snack, listen to the music, dance. Um, it's important, you know, that we keep these traditions going and it's important that we understand our community and the, the questions and challenges that they have to face when they're going to these types of events. Yeah, definitely. How long ago did you found did you found, um, did you start this organization? We're about five years old at this point. Yeah. And you had to go through the whole um, the whole like just like when you open a business, you need a business license. When you when you open a nonprofit organization, you have to go to go through similar paperwork. Correct. How, how was that? How was that process? Well, we were fortunate in that we, we were part of the neighborhood council and we decided that um, the red tape was just too much for us. Every time we wanted to um, produce an event or we had an idea for an event, it was so much, there was so much red tape and so many hoops to jump through. Uh, we had to get this person's okay, that person's okay, this felt had to be done. So we thought we could be more effective as a nonprofit. Oh, wow. Um, so we decided we were going to do it. And, and really, it was just there were three of us at the time. Um, and we just decided, let's do it. You know, let's make the commitment. We know it's going to be hard and long road, but we did it. And, you know, after one year of. Um, or the other was Muertos event, we were picked up by Community Partners, which is a nonprofit incubator. Um, we applied. Oh, cool. Yeah, we applied and went through the interviews and the reviews, and we were invited on board, and we've been with them ever since. Um, and they've been doing great stuff. They've been helping, and they help out. Since it's really, at this point, only Angie and I that, that do most of the, the work, we have a, a, a small board. Um, but community partners does well and helps us out because they take care of the back end. So legal, they take care of all of that. They take care of um, what is it? Uh, finance, the finance end of it. Uh -huh. So while Angie does all the paperwork and everything, we don't have to worry about like cutting checks or meeting, uh, like um, finding out where, where our funds are. That's all taken care of, and then Angie uh, can look in it and just kind of corroborate all the, uh, the paperwork. But it's really helpful that we were part of this incubator, um, and, and you know they encourage us to learn all these different aspects of the back end, so that they're preparing us to go off and be our own full-fledged uh, nonprofit. So. It's amazing. It's that's, kind of yeah, yeah. That's really, really, really cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a mentorship, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's really difficult one to start your own business. Two, for for me, it's even more intimidating to start a nonprofit. And and I do have experience working with nonprofits and working 
with businesses and starting up a business and stuff like that. But for some reason, it's more intimidating doing a nonprofit because one thing is working for yourself and selling things on your own and like, okay, well, if I don't make it, at least that's that's my money that's going towards me that I'm making a living, right? But the nonprofit. Oh my gosh, you need to get the funds, you need to continue the program. It's like a whole community of people, it's like all the people that are part of the organization will be affected by it. Yeah, I think the stakes are high either way, but for some reason, when what you're working for affects the community, it like raises the stakes a little bit more. Yeah. So I get exactly what you're saying. Like we don't want, uh, we always push to keep the events going, to keep our our workshops going, because the community needs it, and it's not out there. So we're the ones doing this. We're providing it, and that you know elevates the importance of keeping the the nonprofit alive. And functioning. Yeah. And what about your other business? Uh, uh, I'm well. Glittering Andy is my business name. And I'm an artist, a uh, visual artist, and uh, I do writing also. Um, and it's a lot of heritage arts. So um, I grew up learning artesanias from my mom and my grandma. Um, and never really thought more about them other than, you know, it was fun stuff. It was stuff that my great-grandma used to do. It was, you know, I, hearing the stories, um, it was great. And the idea that you know, as we're creating these things, these piñatas or, you know, um, paper mache, um, you're hearing the history of where this came from like, through our family. Um, I love that part of it. And then, you know, flash forward to me going to college and um, my idea was I'm going to be uh, a writer. I want to write children's books and I want to illustrate them. Oh, cool. So I started in English and then um, I took an art class and I was like, I love it. You know, I remembered how much fun and how much I loved drawing and painting and, and, and ceramics and everything. And so that's eventually where I ended up going. And even though I worked as, in aquatics as a lifeguard and a manager and a director for the pools, I always did art in some capacity, either as gifts for friends or special commissions or um, things of that nature. And then about 10 years ago, I decided I was going to make a move to really focus on art um, with the goal of art being my main job, my main source of income. And Good for you. Yeah, and when I made that commitment and that decision, like everything started to happen. The goals started rolling. I started getting invited to you know, display galleries. I started participating. Isn't in, it amazing how we manifest? It's it's into totally our true. Lives? It's just you know making that decision and, and committing to it. And as soon as you decide it's going to happen, it starts to happen. It, it's it was crazy yeah. how quickly. Yeah, you know, you've said the word commitment a few times already, oh, and yeah. it's just something, I don't know, that's like been popping out at me, and it's like, you're totally right. One is making the decision, and two is committing to doing it. And that doesn't mean you have to do it like all day, every day, but that means continue to do it, right? Yeah, continue. Oh, there's a, a friend of mine posted a quote, and I thought it was a, it was a great quote, and I remember it, because I think... It has a lot to do with this idea of commitment. Um, 
it, the quote basically was something along the lines of, you don't have to do it 24 hours a day. If you commit to doing it one hour a day, you've made your commitment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it, and it's like, you know, don't overwhelm yourself with the idea of, I have to do this nonstop. Work to committing to doing it for a little bit every day. Yeah. And that'll make it happen. Yeah, consistency is key. It's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. That's really true. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, about, about anything, you know. Um, so you already explained how your business vision came about in both the, the nonprofit organization and you as an artist. Um, and you also actually... You actually did talk about the your nonprofit organization. What's the name of the nonprofit organization again? El Sereno Community Arts. The El, El Sereno Community Arts. You actually also explained to us what the problem was that your organization is trying to solve. I actually heard two things. Is one is arts in the community, like providing the opportunity for arts and tradition in the community for low-income people who don't have normally don't have access to it. And two, to kind of go around the bureaucratic red tape, you created your own organization. Correct. That's yeah. that's what I heard. Um, and seriously, like this question, like what problem is your business or organization helping to solve? I think that a lot of the times we don't realize that that's the reason why people start organizations or people start businesses. Right? It's true. I mean, there's there's a need, um, or there's something that's missing. And Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere there's a need or something or a disconnection to something, mm -hmm. and we try to fill in those gaps by the businesses or organizations that we create. Yeah. I mean, the reason I do a lot of you know heritage arts in my own personal work is because it's important to me. Yeah. That these traditions and that, you know the the art. Of Mexico, and even though you know I'm, I was born in the United States, I still appreciate all that art, and I feel like you know it helps me connect to you know my background, my cultural identity, but it, it also helps other people. Like when they see the art, they connect to it, and that's important. It's impactful. Yeah. Yeah. How um how easy or how difficult was it for you to find what you needed to start? your business, either like when you went on your own as an artist or your nonprofit organization. Now you said that the incubator really helped. It re That really helped for the, uh, the for the nonprofit. It wasn't as easy for <laughs> my own personal uh, business. It was a lot of trial and error and, you know, uh, a lot of uh, lessons were learned the hard way, I would say. Like um, what lessons? Um, you know, I think the most important lesson I learned was to trust my gut. Yeah. You know, you have these instincts, and a lot of times we have these, you know, grand visions where we're like, oh, you know, it's just a feeling, don't, don't worry about it, because this opportunity looks like it's going to be so big. Um, and then you realize, you know, should have gone with my gut, should have, you know, trusted yeah. my instinct. Um, you know, and, and you grow and you learn from it. Um, I just think that, yeah, trust your instincts. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do when difficult. we've been programmed our whole lives to not do that. 
but that's hard. I've, I hope that I. I hope that I could show and teach my children to trust, but then it's also hard for me as a mom to be like, you as a kid trust your instinct, but then it's like me as a mom, I'm telling you something different. Ah. <laughs> that's that's like, a whole yeah, other so, battle you have yeah. to fight. Yeah. Like, because I'm your mom, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> because my instincts are telling you. <laughs> Okay, anyway, that's a different podcast episode. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about some technological um, tools that you use for either your organization or uh, your business. What is your favorite te- technological tool that you use? Um, well, in terms of my visual arts, I'm like old school uh-huh. when it comes to it, so I don't do a lot of digital work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. Everything's either you know, drawn by hand or freehand, um, depending on, on what uh, I'm working on. But social media is an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't appreciate how much of a tool it was at first because I was just you know, using socially, connecting with friends, and you know, posting ridiculous memes or whatever. Um, but as I got more and more into um, events and shows and, and galleries and everything, I realized, wow, this is going to like push my business to a different level. And it has. I've gotten commissions after posting you know, um, the chairs, my, my chairs that I, uh, I painted. I posted them, and then I started getting messages with people wanting, can you paint a chair, like a Selena chair, or can you paint a... Yeah, a sunset chair or something. You know, I have a table and I need these chairs. And that was a huge, uh, you know, boost in my business. So, yeah. I, What's your favorite platform? Social media platform. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it's the well, it's the easiest for me to work with. I think uh-huh. you know, it's really quick. Um, it doesn't take a lot of uh, of setup. I could just pull out my phone, take a picture, and, and boom, I'm done. Um, but also, I think I've gotten the most response through uh, Instagram. Yeah. Um, what about for your uh, nonprofit? What types of tools do you use? We're fortunate at this point that we have a uh, graphic designer. I used to do all the uh, the, the flyers and, and uh, you know all of our material. Um, but now we have a graphic designer, and they use like Photoshop, and, and um, they've been putting together some amazing stuff for us using. Um, well, I know she uses Photoshop. Um, I forget the name of the other program. It'll come to me. But you know, um, you know, just having a graphic designer that works on the computer all the time—that is a, a huge help for uh, promotion of the nonprofit. You know, it puts the flyers at a little, a different level. Yeah. <laughs> All of our posts and everything. Yeah, because marketing is one of the most important aspects of any business or organization because it's the way that you communicate to your audience. Definitely. And customers or consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's important. Um, you talked about your chairs. Can you describe your chairs because they're like really pretty like I don't even want to sit on them that's how pretty they are <laughs> like it's a collaboration with your mom right right yeah so um, I do a lot of 
painting, obviously. And I found some chairs, and I done I painted um, suitcases before for a while. There, I was buying up all the leather suitcases, the old vintage suitcases I could find at thrift stores, and painting them. Um, and then I moved on to chairs, and my mom's a fiber artist, um, even though she won't admit it. She does anything with uh, yarn, string, any sort of fiber she can hammer things out. And, and her mind works in that way where she can see a 3D image and she can, in her mind, figure out how she's gonna knit that. And she's done projects like, um, she did the clown from Poltergeist. Oh. Um, she did that for the, for the new, or well, it's not new anymore, but the remake of Poltergeist. Um, so she was commissioned to do a knit piece of the original Poltergeist club for that. And um, what she did um, was some embroidery and we've always like worked on different projects together. And I painted these chairs and they had a cushion so I was gonna reupholster it. And I thought this would be really beautiful if it was like embroidered. So I asked her and she was in. Um, and she did, you know, traditional embroidery um, on the so seats, pretty. beautiful flowers and all kinds of colors. And she has a good eye for color. Um, and we put it together and the first set of chairs we did were uh, Frida themed, Frida Kahlo themed. And they were, um, you know, they were commissioned for, or they were actually part of the uh, Latino art project at Google. So they were on display at Google wow. for like two months. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, well, I teach at Plaza de la Raza, and then um, they contacted Plaza for um, a list of artists that they could, you know, contact in regards to that. And then um, they mentioned my name, and the chairs were they were a hit. Like, you know, they that's were, so cool. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was great. And then you know, it's even like it's even better, or, or you know, more important because it was the first full collaboration between my mom and I as artists. Um, and since then we've done probably a dozen chairs just on commission and by word of mouth. So, yeah. So I paint them by hand according to a theme, uh, bright colors, and she does the um, hand embroidery. So. That's so cool. I know, they're really, really, really beautiful. And Thank you. Okay, so switching gears a little bit. Well, not too much. Just so the next question is is there a business that you follow that you strive to be oh um, or a nonprofit organization that you look up to that you're like oh I want our organization to be like that or oh I, I'm for the nonprofit I'm happy in the, in the direction we're going I would love for us to you know find bigger sponsors to be able to provide more you know um, and, it, and that's all about connections and, and being able to talk about what we're doing and finding the right people that connect with you know what we're doing in the community and, and really want to support that um, for my business I mean you know and I don't I don't know I can't think of another like Latino uh, business that I can think of uh, at the moment, but um, growing up, my mom and I used to watch like Martha Stewart on television, uh -huh. right? Like, and I would love to, to get to that point, 
to be able to... That'd be cool. I'd watch a show. To do Glittering like, Andy. I'd I watch your show. You know? <laughs> um, I do workshops. I do... I teach art. I mean, I, I feel like I would love to be that, you know, that Latino heritage and have it on, on, on television and have people tune in and, and learn about the different cultures and different arts in Mexico and throughout Mexico because as you travel Mexico, different areas have different um, artesanías or folk art that they're, you know, known for. Um, and, and it's all beautiful. Um, and it's all art. I mean, I think, you know, we're in the United States, um, everything's kind of classified, right? They say it's fine arts, or it's folk art, or it's um, southwestern art, or whatever. But um, I think folk art gets a bad rap, you know? And, but it's, you know, art that is relatable to people. Not everyone can relate to, like, a Picasso, but everyone relates to a piñata, right? And piñatas are art. Like, that's an amazing sculpture. It's interesting that you say that folk art gets a bad rap. And to me, the first thing that comes to mind is like, mm, that has a very, very racist project underlining it. I agree. Because anything that has to do with bilingual or speaking Spanish or quote unquote folk art that has to do with uh, people that are not from the tradition, not, not traditional, they're not from the colonizing community or, you know, like if we really, really think about it, and, and that's just the way that I think because that's how I was, the, the programs that I studied in in college and in my master's program, I think about the historical implications that are, that still affect us in our everyday lives. It's very true. I think um, art, especially in the United States, is very uh, westernized. It's the western ideal of art, this fine art, right? It's colonized. It totally is. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely nothing that that visually would, or you know artistically would distinguish what's considered fine art with what is considered folk art. It really is based on you know who made it. And and where they're from, where they're from. And what color their skin is. Yeah, and a lot of it is like their or background. Or how much money. Exactly. How, how much, much money, money they have. What, soci what socioeconomic background they're coming from. Exactly. And a lot of what I, I, I do is when I participate in gallery shows, I try and erase those boundaries. So if I'm entering a sculpture show, I enter a piñata. You know? Good for you. Uh, because, you know what, if, you, if your show is promoting sculptural, art I've got some sculptures for you yeah but they're made out of you know paper mache or they're traditionally um, the way you make piñatas and, and it's cardboard and paper and they're beautiful and I always get great response on them I participated in Night on Broadway I had a dozen six-foot-tall hummingbirds in the trees of downtown LA six-foot-tall hummingbird piñatas yeah <laughs> wow and, and they and we had great response like people were stopping and taking pictures and people would stop in their tracks look up and smile and, and that was amazing it, it, yeah. it's, it's something that's relatable people saw these they would talk and I would tell them their piñatas and they'd be like oh my god I've never you know thought a piñata was like like art and, and 
you know, that's interesting to hear. Because the same work goes into it. You're, you're building a sculpture, you're building something beautiful. But the connotation that it's like a Mexican party thing, or, you know, um, some people... Or that it's dangerous because you have to hit it and you have to use a stick. Like all these <laughs> new piñatas at um, all these like chain stores that have the little strings. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> that's not... That's not a Mexican piñata. And anybody no. who has a piñata pulling strings, that's an American piñata. That's that's a U.S. piñata. That is not a Mexican piñata. Yeah, they break them in Mexico. They, yeah. They're not scary. Because traditionally know. they're made with barro. Exactly. And they're actually easier to break. Yeah. I mean, in the tradition of the piñata goes way back. So there's a, um, an Aztec ritual where... Um, they would fill the piñata with feathers and gold and, and, and uh, sweets. Uh, and it was just, you know, a, a barro, a, a, a maceta de barro. And they would break it, you know, in celebration in hopes uh, that all these blessings would, would rain down on, on the Aztecs. Um, yeah, that's interesting so, to see it that way. Because I've actually always felt that, that like a piñata at a child's party is like a blessing. Like it's like... Like raining on you, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, there's, you know, there's a history that says that they originated in China, but um, this was going on in the Aztec culture as well. I, 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 I think it's interesting. Like, if you look back, and I think maybe this goes back towards the same, you know, Westernized idea of, like, you know, Mexicans couldn't have come up with that. It had to come from somewhere else. Well, you know, civilizations evolve at the same time in different locations, so, uh, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, you know, the idea that folk art is less than just because, you know, it's relatable to the larger community, the people that aren't as affluent, um, you know, the people of color, um, it doesn't make it less, in fact, if you see a lot of the people that buy, the you know traditional heritage art it's a lot of white people you know there there are a lot of consumers who enjoy the tradition who enjoy the art that are not part of the community um, and that says something you know um, that our our arts and our traditions impact everyone so. yeah yeah definitely I mean that's the whole purpose of art is to make a connection with someone, to leave an impression, to move them, and it's for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Art should not be part of any racial project at all. There should not be any racism or hierarchical, socioeconomic hierarchical barriers when it comes to art or anything but really art is one of those things that when I see it when I see racism in our industry it's like really it's tough yeah <laughs> I'm like it's art you're supposed to like you know enlighten people and you know help raise you know the social um, construct but you know, there's still a lot of you know battles to fight in that area. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, if you could have done something different, what would that have been? 
in either one of your businesses or organization business? Well, I, I, you know, I did say uh, I wish I had trusted my instincts more. Yeah, you did. But aside from that, I think I would have liked to have made my decision to follow art a little sooner. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what the fear was. Uh, well, actually, no, it was probably security, right? Um, I had a, a job that was paying me great money. Um, and then I was offered another job on contract, and the money was, you know, amazing. And I thought, wow, you know, I've got to do this. I've got to take this opportunity. And I did, and, and it, you know, it was a great opportunity while it lasted, but um, it didn't feed my soul at all. I just felt like at the yeah, end of each day, I was like, wow, I can't believe I put myself in this situation. But, you know, as a Latino, as a Mexican, I wasn't going to quit. I had to keep going. You have to, to just going. keep on trekking. Uh -huh. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Until they bought out my contract, and which was a huge, like, it was my second year there. And they bought out my contract. And I was like, part of me was like, oh, no, I failed. You know? Um, this didn't work out. But it wasn't a failure. I set everything up. I accomplished all my goals. But I was effectively unemployed. Um, even though they bought out my contract, so I had six months worth of pay mm -hmm. um, at my disposal. So after, you know, a day or two of, like, moping around, I thought, wow, this is an opportunity. Yeah. Don't, it's not negative. It's only negative if I make it negative. Yeah. So I decided I have this cushion. Good for you. I'm going to make this push even harder and, and just go with what makes me happy. And I've been doing, you know, art full force ever since. So, Yay! That's yeah. great. I love to hear when people do what they love. <laughs> so, one more question. If you had no constraints, would you start another business or organization? Absolutely. What would it be? Um, I was, you know, and I've been thinking of, you know, there's a lot of um, themed parties that are going around or that have been happening for kids. and. I did. I was invited to come out and do a, a piñata party. So, basically, what I did was I took everything ready to go, and the kids at the party made their own little piñatas. So it's like a craft oh, okay. during the party. Um, and I thought, wow, this would be a great business, like to set up a cultural heritage arts kind of like party art program. activity. Yeah. Parties. Yeah. Where oh, it's cool. not just, um, you know, it's not just like, um, well, Disney, for, you, know, a, yeah. you know, it's not just like a princess party or whatever. Like, this is a piñata party where you're going to just have all these, you know, beautiful decorations and you're going to have all these amazing things happening, but you're also going to learn. You and know, do an you're going to make a piñata and you're going to learn a little bit about the culture. And I, have them engaged. Exactly. So I that's think cool. that, that's where something I would like to do. I've been thinking. So when is this coming? Uh, 2019? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know someone who makes great cakes and cupcakes. I know someone too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her name is Angie. She's right here. Yeah, she's right here with us. <laughs> I'm sure she would love to make piñata cupcakes. Right? For well, okay, so 2019, 
don't contact me, contact them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, where can people find you? You have a do you have a website? You said you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram under Glittering Andy. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a website, but it's you know um, under construction at this point. Uh-huh. So I just. I didn't like the way it was looking, so I took it down, and I'm kind of revamping it. Um, and that should be up and running in the next month or so. And it's glitteringandy.com. Glitteringandy.com. And then you sell your items online on Instagram and your website? Or Correct. how do you sell, where do you Mostly sell through them? Instagram at this point. Once a website is up and running, um, you'll be able to you know, purchase there. And I also do events throughout the community. So um, I've gone up north to Oakland and San Francisco. I did uh, an event in Las Vegas, which I probably will go to Vegas again this year in 2019. Um, San Diego and in LA. Yeah. Cool. And what about um, your nonprofit organization? If people want to find you or maybe sponsor, donate. That what, would be amazing. How, how would they be able everything. to reach you for that? Um, ElSerenoCommunityArts.com. Okay. Yeah, that's our website. And there, we have our quarterly up there. We publish a, a quarterly magazine, um, Arts in the Community. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that's up there. You can get on our email list to find out what's going on. Um, you can donate. You can volunteer. You know, you can make an, a difference, basically by visiting that website. Cool. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to sharing your story and about your business and how you find, uh, founded your nonprofit organization or co-founded a nonprofit organization. And it's, it's really inspiring to me to meet people who do what they love and you make a living out of it. But you run a nonprofit organization and <laughs> own your own business like that's extra goals <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag goals well thank you thank you for thank having you. me I appreciate it anytime thank you thank you for listening to Relate and Elevate find me on Instagram at Giselle's World and on Facebook at GM Strategist. Make sure to visit my website, GiselleMartin.com, and please, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Hope you have an amazing day. Bye.